Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. This is the Athletic Football Show. Welcome to the Athletic Football Show. I'm Robert Mays. Joining me today is my good friend, Nate Tice. Nate, how you doing, buddy? Doing very well. Uh, this is, I, I feel rejuvenated. You know, another week closer to the draft. Got a video up on YouTube. You know, just checking a lot of boxes. Taxes done. Just like oh, everything. Wow. I got to do that. Yeah. Just re- everything's going very, very well. Got uh, updated some claims for my flex spending account. I am an adult. <laughs> I am an adult. Full, fully in my 30s right now, but I am doing very, very well. We are rambling toward the draft here, rumbling toward the draft here. We've got a I'm couple rambling. weeks. You're, we are rumbling. We are rumbling collectively. A <laughs> couple weeks until the draft. We're going to do another kind of pullback to look at. NFL teams today, not specific prospects or not what we expect from this class of players entering the draft, but where some of these teams sit on the eve of the draft. We've already done the teams that we feel like have the most at stake in this year's draft. Naturally, it was a lot of teams at the top of the draft and a lot of teams with a ton of picks. I will venture a guess and say that at some point before the draft, we'll talk about some of the contenders and maybe what they need to do to finish off some of these championship caliber rosters, potentially in a way that the Chiefs did last year. That might be a show that we will do here over the next couple of weeks. But today, we're going to spend some time talking about... I don't know how to frame this, and that's a problem. Yeah. And maybe we'll get to that by the end of we're the show. It. The teams in the middle. The teams yeah. that maybe we just can't really figure out. They're either at a crossroads in their team-building plan. You know, They're kind of stuck in no-man's land. You know, they've got some needs, but not a ton. Some teams that we really just can't quite get a handle on. And we're going to land on about eight to 10 of those teams and just try to untangle where they're at at this stage of their process today. Yeah, each one too. And that's what it's hard to title this because each one, I, I like when we presented to or presented to each other on our Slack Slack chat was vibes. Wait, yeah, wait, what, like what's, what, are the what, what are the vibes of each team? And uh, just checking in on that, you know, just a little oil check. You know, some are going to be beat to beat the crap with 180,000 miles on that. A team based in Los Angeles might be like that. And some teams are just fresh, you know, like new tires. And they're also just trying to, you know, spruce up the rest of their interior of their car. So I'm, I'm, I'm interested to see where we go with each of these teams discussions because it's fun. I think all of them, I kind of have one central question that I'll use to kind of get us kicked off, and then we'll just explore things from there. Before we dig into this list of teams, though, one piece of news that we wanted to hit coming out of the weekend. Odell Beckham signs a one-year up to $18 million deal with the Baltimore Ravens. Uh, I believe Ian Rappaport was the first person to report it, and since a lot of other people have chatted about it, obviously, since that news came down on Sunday. At first glance, I assumed... That that up to 18 million language was going to be doing a lot of heavy lifting in what mm-hmm. that contract for a 30 something Odell Beckham who hasn't played in over a year might yeah. be getting on the open market. It turns out it's not <laughs> doing much lifting at all. It Odell wasn't. Beckham gets $15 million 
from the Baltimore Ravens. The majority of that in a signing bonus, I have to assume they're going to have the maximum amount of void years or several void years tacked onto this thing to keep his cap hit in the two, $3 million range for yep. 2022. But he gets $15 million in cash no matter how this goes. And that number is a little bit higher than I expected it to be. But I think that we can kind of read into what that number looks like, what it means for the Ravens, and why they felt so compelled to do this and get to that point. Yeah, they paid a pretty penny. Uh, someone asked me, it was that a premium for having to be a wide receiver with the Ravens? And in my head, I said, before, probably yes, but you know, Greg Roman's no longer there. So yes. Todd Munkin is a lot more receiver friendly. Uh, so that is not as much of a premium. They compared it to a pitcher at Coors Field, uh, playing for the Rockies. They have to always like pay a premium <laughs> for their pitchers. So I kind of actually thought that was pretty funny. Whoever replied with that, that was pretty, pretty, pretty funny, but it's not the same situation. Um, this is interesting. I, I like the talent level of OBJ. It's probably, I mean, as big of a fan of I am of Rashad Bateman, this is the best receiver that Lamar potentially might ever play with. I do think there is a little redundancy with Rashad Bateman and OBJ. Uh, guys are best on underneath stuff and yak and route running and kind of, I, I want to see a big pass catcher. I'm assuming all this that Lamar is coming back, but even if he is not, but the same, just building out that pass catcher room. Um, but also just with OBJ, like you said, he hasn't played in over a year and we came off a knee in the Super Bowl who where he was playing very, very well, was playing very well throughout that playoffs for the Rams. But this is the, OBJ's name has done a lot of lifting for him over the past few seasons. And I tweeted this and it seemed to mean, but I, I really, this is a fact. Um, Adam Thielen, Doug Baldwin, Larry Fitzgerald, T.Y. Hilton have all made Pro Bowls more recently than OBJ has in 2016. And so that is something you have to keep in mind that there is talent, but he hasn't reached the peaks, peaks of what we know, the one handed grab and all that from his Giants days. Browns, he was fine. It wasn't a great mismatch, a great synergy with Baker and that offense. He still has talent like we saw with the Rams, but just have to be realistic about what he is in this time and age. Yeah, I mean, the actual risk associated with the contract, if they move on after this year, which I you know, assume they might if it's a one-year yeah. deal, you, know, you make him a post-June first cut or do whatever kind of cap magic exactly. you have to do to spread out the cap hits with all of those void years. $15 million in the headline is a lot of money, but I think that there are ways around to kind of yeah. mitigate whatever the actual impact is going to be on the opportunity costs and what it prevents them from doing all of that stuff. The most interesting parts of this to me go way beyond Odo Beckham getting right. $15 million, what his on-field impact is going to look like, all that stuff. The receiving core as a whole, I actually think that Odo Beckham, Rashad Bateman, and Nelson Aguilar for a million dollars instead of the $11 million that the Patriots were paying him is not the worst group of pass catchers with Fine. Mark Andrews to work with yeah. Lamar Jackson and in this Todd Monken offense. But still, to me, the most interesting takeaway from all of this, the most interesting tidbit of all of this, is what does this mean about Lamar Jackson coming back to Baltimore? The fact that he seemed pretty involved in the process, yeah. according to Tom Pelissero, the fact that Odell Beckham was even willing to do this and willing to go to a team, presumably that doesn't know who their starting quarterback is going to be based on the Lamar Jackson drama, it kind of seems like it's giving us some clarity about where Lamar Jackson is going to be yeah. playing this season and how much of him we're going to see playing for the Ravens, which is what I always thought was going to happen. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and already posted pictures of them FaceTiming. Yes. Uh, so that <laughs> seems like an indicator of the quarterback of the team is kind of going like, yeah, I'm happy you're coming here. It's not like that doesn't sound like that he's moving on. And I, I do want to say this too, like you brought up the receiving room with Mark Andrews as well, is that this is 
OBJ is better than a lot of the receivers in this class could ever potentially be. Yeah. Not even this version of him and where the Ravens are at as a team. And we're talking about appeasing quarterbacks and trying to sweeten, hey, we got a guy for you. It's not theory. We're not fake promising saying we're going to draft a guy and we don't draft a guy. Same thing that the Cardinals did last year trading for Hollywood Brown. So it's kind of funny like to see what they these teams are doing to kind of appease their quarterbacks. And I don't, I don't mean that in a bad way, but just try and go like, hey, we're trying to put a good situation around you. We've got a good a different offense coordinator that's better in the passing attack for you that's going to be creative. And now we got another bonafide guy that even though I brought up some negatives with him, OBJ still has a lot of weight in the league, you know, has a lot of sway. And I'm sure that's going to do a lot for what, how Lamar's feeling about the whole organization and what they're actually doing for him for the future. It's a great point. I mean, it's selling OBJ on coming. I think there's probably a Lamar Jackson element to it. Selling Lamar Jackson on coming back, there's probably an Odo Beckham component to it. So mm-hmm. I think it works both ways here. Yes. And yeah, I, I mean, it's one of those things where the money seems like a lot. I think that yesterday I tweeted out the, um, the cousin Greg meme was just like, oh, sh- wow, strong. Wow, strong that, that, for a man. Yeah, that's, <laughs> that, that's, I was surprised about, about how much it was, but he's about <laughs> to get on a plane and go to the Jets when yep. you have multiple parties and, and you have a team that's motivated to do it because they want to keep you from getting on that plane and going to New York and negotiating with the Jets. I mean, I think right. that's how you get to a number like this. And it's a lot. It's an overpay. I think it, uh, any way you slice it, but I understand how they arrived at this point. And now I kind of just want to see Lamar Jackson in a Todd Monken, Odell yes. Beckham, Rashad yes. Bateman offense. And it yes. feels like we're inching closer to that reality. <laughs> that is a really fun. Uh, again, OBJ is better than a lot of these receivers in this class. So a lot of those didn't really, didn't really get me excited. You know, I was like, oh, you know, maybe Cedric Tillman in the second round. Yeah, that'd be interesting. Well, they trade their pick. Oh, so they might not be able to get a guy that I like. OBJ is a lot more fun. Uh, hopefully Rashad Bateman has a healthy year. You know, pairing with them with Mark Andrews and, and, like you said, Nelson Aguilar, that is some fun synergy. Andrews is the size guy. They all can kind of work over the middle where Lamar loves to throw, you know, especially in the intermediate balls. So I'm excited for it. I I, I wasn't expecting it, uh, to be honest. I thought this Jets thing was going to happen. So I'm excited to see OBJ playing potential with Lamar and Todd Monken. And that's the other bit of connection here is that OBJ already played for Todd Monken in Cleveland yes. when he was the offensive coordinator during that very strange Freddie Kitchen season <laughs> where Monken was coming off of a fantastic run as the play caller for the Bucks, went to Cleveland where he wasn't the play caller but was the offensive coordinator for that team that completely crashed and burned, which is you know a fun little bit of a trip down memory what? lane remembering that 20 <laughs> that what was it, 2018 2019 browns team oh, I even the 29th it was 2019 2019 2019 baker yep. second baker second year yeah All right. a little fever dream year let's get to some of these teams in the middle some of these teams we cannot quite figure out from this year's draft and let's start with the green bay packers it was one of the first teams that you and i were kicking around and we haven't really talked about them that much in the context of what comes next and that's kind of my big question to kick this off what do the Packers look like and how do the Packers operate in a post Rogers world? Because it's not something we really got to see that often because they haven't really done much in free agency so far. So what is this draft going to tell us about who this version of the Packers is when Rogers has moved on? And not only haven't done much like free agency wise, haven't done much about like coaching staff wise, like Joe Barry's still there. Yeah. Same OC, same special teams coach. Like everybody kind of comes back. There's a lot of returning players. Um, I really do think that this team desperately needs, and this is kind of feels 
hilarious. So we're saying this again about this team needs pass catchers. Um, and that's, that's the number one thing, a tight end or receiver and receiver, whichever word you want to use there. I think that that's the most, whoever's playing quarterback. I know it's not going to be Aaron Rodgers, but I'm saying whoever's playing quarterback there needs pass catchers. Um, Michael Mayer from Notre Dame has been kind of a popular mocked pick for them. Actually, I would love that for their first round pick. Um, you know, in Ohio State's JSN, Jackson Smith and Jigba meets their 195 pound threshold, which is very important when we're talking pass catchers for the Packers is that they have size thresholds for the receiver position, which is 195 pounds. So I know I don't know what to say about as far as like what this indicates for their path because they return so much. So it's kind of more just like adding and dropping in guys. And that's kind of how I've looked at this Packers team and how they can help out Jordan Love potentially. So what we've seen with Rodgers is that they haven't felt compelled to go and get these guys early in the draft. We famously did not draft a pass catcher in the first round during Aaron Rodgers' tenure there. And that includes tight ends. Do you know the last Packers tight end who was taken in the first two rounds? Uh well, it wasn't Bubba Franks. Was when was Finley drafted? You actually did have it. It was Bubba Franks. It was Bubba Franks. Bubba wow. Franks. They drafted Bubba Franks in the first round of the 2000 draft, and that, that is so. I the time constraints I put it on it were since Ron Wolf was there because okay. with the Packers, with some of these things like oh the so and so franchise hasn't done this in 40 years. So it's like, well, they've had 10 different GMs over that right. time. Who really gives a shit? Brian Kukunst has worked in Green Bay since 1998 when Ron Wolf was still the general manager there. So there is a lot of same similar DNA with all of these different regimes. And they have not done it since 2000 when they drafted Bubba Franks. And they haven't done it in the first two rounds. So drafting a tight end that high or a receiver that high would be a departure. But they've been working for the most part during that stretch with Hall of Fame quarterbacks. Right. And what we've seen with the Chiefs are another good example. If you have that guy that you feel like is the guy, you can skimp on your pass catcher sometimes because you're trusting that quarterback to elevate whoever you put around him. Even if they're optimistic about Jordan Love, you can't make that same bet again. I think that you have to be willing to build a team around Jordan Love that can lift him up on occasion until he ultimately, in their hopes, gets to that place. So if they spend a little earlier on these guys, maybe it wouldn't be that surprising even if we haven't seen them do it before. It's a yeah. It's like the sliding scale of investment uh, for this. It's where we now we got a younger quarterback that needs a little bit of help. Well, let's give him some guys that will help him, as opposed to the other way around. When you're comfortable trading Devontae Adams or not taking these guys because you say, hey, they'll make our B players A minus players and our C players B minus players. That's how good our quarterback play is. And it's just funny. It's the biggest kind of news with this team, I guess, is like it's not even the draft. It's all the lead up for the draft. You know, when who blinks between them and the Jets um, or if another team gets involved for Niners, keep an eye on that. So <laughs> but it, but it is something that is just that's really more of the news with this team. And then once the draft happens, it's kind of going to be like, oh, yeah, that makes sense. I would say the other hole that they have. I just want to throw this in there is safety. Wow. Isn't it? They. Good, good goodness gracious. <laughs> oh my goodness. It's especially with Darnell Savage is more of a slot now. And like he kind of got unlocked there. So they need safety very, very badly, especially for a team that thrives on their safety play. Adrian Amos did a lot for this defense the last couple of years. He's heading free agency and yes. they brought back Rudy Ford on a modest deal. That was like one of the big free agent splash they made was bringing back Rudy Ford. <laughs> so they have a lot of work to do there as well. Yeah. And I think the big question for them in the draft is where will they be drafting? How yeah. many picks will they have? Are they going to yeah. have an extra second round pick? Are they going to have two extra second round picks? The Jets are picking at 42 and 43 after the Elijah Moore trade. The Pat, the Browns got 
their third round pick. The Jets mm-hmm. got the Browns' second round pick. So a lot of questions in terms of how much draft capital they've had, they will have, and where they want to use it. Absolutely. A team that doesn't have quite as much draft capital. The next one we're going to talk about here is the Los Angeles Rams. <laughs> what do you want to they, start with that? <laughs> so they were the team that kind of kicked off this idea. Okay. You know, okay, these teams coming into the draft that are kind of total wild cards, it seemed to be at a crossroads of sorts. And the Rams embody that. I mean, what are the Rams going to try to do? Like, what kind of team do the Rams think they can be, I think, is the prevailing most important question with this, because it's hard to even tightly round up the needs that the Rams have. And I think that's mostly on defense. You You can talk yourself into a more healthy Rams team being better on offense in 2023 and them being competent on that side of the ball. And that includes the offensive line, even which was a disaster last year on defense. There is no rosy optimistic way to spin this. I want to read you the guys at the top of the depth chart for the Los Angeles Rams at cornerback edge rusher and safety. Okay. Let's do it at cornerback. Darian Kendrick, Kobe Durant, and Robert Rochelle. Okay. At edge rusher, it's Michael Hoked, Kyir Thomas, and Daniel Hardy. Thomas and Hardy played 112 snaps combined last season. Mm. At safety, Jordan Fuller is still there. We have Quentin Lake, Rust Yeast, Randy Rye, and Frank Flower. Rust Yeast. Man, that's a, a rough name. <laughs> I made up the final two names. Those are made up names. Rust yeast is Rust yeast is real, name. but the it other two real. the other two are bread terms, and I wanted to see if you actually thought those were real people. Rust yeast, yeast is real. a real Rust yeast is a real guy because I came across it and I was like, Rust yeast is the guy's name. Did I hear the last two though? That, that, that's my my brain went no, that's fake. It's like when your eyes, you know, like with CGI. It's those, like, those are know, those oh, that, are both that, that fake. Real. Those are the uncanny <laughs> valley of Rams fake defensive <laughs> yes, players. Exactly, Rust yeast right is there. real though. Th- those yes. are the guys at the top of the depth chart. At all of those positions. It's rough. It's every time I check in and they don't have a single specialist on their roster, no kicker, punter, or long snapper on their entire roster, which is hilarious. It's not like, yeah, you can fill those spots, but it's just funny to see a team in April not have a kicker, punter, or long snapper on their entire roster. Uh, my breakdown for this, like when I was prepping for this show, basically unfolded exactly what you just did, other than the make, made up bread names, um, was that <laughs> I just listed like who are. It's it's a who's who of who's that on defense. Like it's uh, Aaron it's Donald. Crazy. Yeah, I had Aaron Donald D line. I had linebacker at Ernest Jones and the DB Jordan Fuller. I I like Kobe Durant. He had a couple moments last year, but other than that, it's like I don't know who these guys are. Not even like a glimmer where I'm like, oh yeah, that guy did this as a senior in college. I remember that, or this guy did something in his first year. Don't remember any of these guys. It's it's an insane, insane insane roster uh, that they're putting together and that they're going to trot out this year. And they don't have their first round pick. They do have a couple day two picks though. So my question is they they're picking a 36. They have their second round pick. It's up near the top of the second round. Do we just see them try to accumulate as many picks as possible? Is, right. is that the strategy here? They have an extra third round pick that they got in the Jalen Ramsey trade, which is actually the pick that the Patriots traded to the dolphins for Devonte Parker, which is going to oh. be a, like a fun little bit of trivia. If that player ever turns into factor. anything, but they don't have the first round pick. So do they try to turn 36 into two more mid round dice rolls? And do we just see them start to do everything they can to build up every level of the defense with 
as many mid-round players as they possibly can. Because I think if you looked at the offense, you could talk yourself into them not having a ton of immediate needs. Okay, mm-hmm. Joe Minopoum did not play for most of last year. They've committed to him at right left tackle. Rob Havenstein is somebody who's been there forever. He played over a thousand snaps last year. Brian Allen is somebody they signed to a multi-year contract extension last year, even though he was hurt. So he's presumably mm-hmm. going to be their starting center. Logan Bruss, they drafted in the third round last season. He was hurt all of last year. Alaric Jans- Jackson gave them some decent snaps. Coleman Shelton is still on this roster. So can you piece together what that left guard spot looks like with guys that you already have and just the interior in general. You combine that with a healthy Matthew Stafford, Cooper Cup coming back, Allen Robinson, even if disappointing, and a slightly healthier version of Van Jefferson, that can be a solid, workable Mm -hmm. NFL offense. The question is, do you just spend all of the draft capital on the defense, and how do you balance this? We can be solid on this side of the ball right away, but we're totally rebuilding on the other side of the ball, and are you really rebuilding if Aaron Donald is making $30 million? There are a lot of <laughs> contradictions just, happening with this team all at once. And his dead cap is like potentially like 29 million, not even 29 million. Uh, yeah, the day, yeah, I think that's what it is. Dead cap down, down the road is like 29 million. So like an absurd amount. Uh, and that's the thing is they've kind of, um, I don't say claimed, but really have taken pride in finding these middle round, late round guys. That's kind of like the Rams kind of whole thing. They're, hey, you know, F them picks, but we're going to nail the middle round and late round guys. So like you said, like maybe trade back and find – I mean, you look at their roster. they got so many third rounders and fourth rounders playing these spots. Even a guy like Jordan Fuller, who was a six-round pick, um, I think a fine player. But it's just that they're trying to, you know, thread the needle with this and find more bodies that they can actually just throw out there. Maybe a couple of them stick. Um yeah, I don't know. I just feel so weird about this team. I know for sure I do. I, I agree with you about the offense and just being healthier and offensive line is going to help so much. But we're definitely not probably definitely not going to nominate this team as a top 10 offense on that podcast that we do this summer. No. They, they will not be making that list where I squeaked them at the end of the list last year. Um, as far as offensively, they might need another receiver again. Like, oh, that's they actually absolutely what's do. That's what's but hilarious. I don't know how it stacks up to the other needs that they have. I could have told them, like, when you signed Allen Robinson, man, I could you could spend that money better elsewhere. <laughs> it's like you could have done it. You had a path there to actually really help yourself, and they just took another step back. And it's kind of, you know, Robin Peter to pay Paul. That's what it feels like with a lot of these moves. So it's a funny team. Yes, they won the ring a couple of years ago, but it's just a funny team to see now that they have to pay everything off, have to pay off that credit card, what it amounts to right now. The guys that you, when you're t- saying that they've gotten a lot out of their mid to late round picks, they have, but even a lot of those guys have now moved on. Yes. Okay? Taylor Rapp is a second round pick, but he had free agency this year. Greg Gaines was a fourth round pick. They got a lot out of him. He's in Tampa Bay now. Nick Scott was a seventh round pick. Nick Scott played a lot of snaps for this team. He's now with the Bengals. Sebastian Joseph Day signed with the Chargers in free agency last year. I mean, a lot of these guys that they've hit on, quote unquote, that have given yeah. them production, they're either no longer on the roster or they have been re-signed and are no longer cheap players. So even the hits that they've had no longer form kind of a cheap second and third level right. of their depth chart in the way that it did in years past. They even need running back. Like his Cam Akers is like, you know, he's whatever, he's replacement level. And it's it's just it's it's actually funny. You just start piecing together and you're like, "Oh, I know that name." Ah. Uh, they they're in a very strange spot. And and yeah. I just think that, again, my question is, what do what does their draft tell us about how they feel about their current situation? And if they trade back a bunch and they're just trying to accumulate a bunch of yeah. picks and trying to build for the future, is that going to tell us something? If they're a little bit more aggressive, does that tell us something? Because 
they're just in this weird, <laughs> weird middle ground, man, where McVeigh yeah. is back, but they're kind of rebuilding. But like, how much are they really going to be rebuilding? And there are just so many more questions about them than answers. And I think that because they really haven't done anything in free agency, because At they all. can't, <laughs> the only, this is going to be the first time kind of like the Packers where we learn a little bit about their mindset and where they currently sit. Yeah, is is it a revamp or a rebuild? Like, and or if they is it a revamp that they're, or is it a rebuild that they're telling themselves that is the revamp that they're like, oh no, we're still, we're still. That, gonna that's kind of where I'm sitting. That's where I think they're at. Like yeah. that, they're like saying, oh no, we're revamp. We got a couple pieces that we can draft and get some starters there, and we'll be fine. Right, so it's wide open in the NFC, but really, that's like this roster isn't really one that's gonna that looks like that screams a playoff roster. It is funny going over their offseason moves. They traded for Hunter Long in the Ramsey deal and then they re-signed Coleman Shelton and Marquise Copeland. And then there's like that's it. That was it. That's that's the list. It was three bullet points when you had to look at the review of what they did this offseason. Just a funny funny team in Los Angeles right now. I really have no idea what to expect from the draft or beyond. We're going to learn a lot about them. Selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage, Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell everywhere for their all-in-one e-commerce platform to their in-person POS system. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. And sell more with less effort thanks to Shopify Magic. Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the U.S. And Shopify is the global force behind Allbirds, Rothy's, and Brooklinen, and millions of other entrepreneurs of every size across 175 countries. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash maze, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash maze now to grow your business, no matter which stage you're in. Shopify.com slash maze. Next one here, the Minnesota Vikings. My big question about the Vikings is where are they at kind of on that competitive rebuild cycle that they tried to sell us last year? And they've made some moves this offseason that I think try to thread that needle in the way that they did a year ago, right? They bring in Byron Murphy. They bring in Marcus Davenport. Both of them kind of as their big free agent additions, right? Combined, those guys are going to make less than $9 against the cap this year. Right. So they've tried to bring in these reinforcements, but maintain flexibility later on. You know, they have some of the young pieces they drafted last year in Andrew Booth and Lewis Seen that should step into bigger roles now that they've moved on from some of their older, more expensive pieces. So what does the draft look like for them? Are they still going to kind of be looking to 2024? Do they make a move for a quarterback? Like, where are they at? in this competitive rebuild mindset that they started a year ago? And what do we learn about their draft class that can tell us more about that? Yeah, they kind of a lot of whispers happening with them and quarterbacks and potential move up, which I think is, which would be very interesting. Uh, we've talked about teams getting aggressive if they like a guy. So that is something, you know, there's a lot of smoke with it, uh, specifically with Hendon Hooker, you know, as the, you know, kind of the fifth quarterback of this class and potentially a guy that can sneak into the back half of the first round, which I would be, 
I would not uh, endorse, but it's something that teams might do. And the fact that there has been linking of that, it's like, okay, there's smoke there. You know, even if it, you have to read through a lot, especially in this type of the year, it's the silly season, but still there is something notable there. Um, stuff like, do they trade Dalvin Cook still or even release him? Like that's something I thought would happen by now. And same you know, with Darius Smith. They've got yes. several guys that's like, oh man, are they going to hang on to this guy? Like they can save a bunch of money if and they that's don't. That's kind of like interesting. Like, okay, that's kind of like signaling. All right. So you guys looking at this as a very competitive competitive year i um even saying that with the davenport and byron murphy signings i understand i actually kind of like that for where they're at because it's like it's a high upside move yes they, those guys have injury history and you can't count on guys with injury history but it's like that five percent chance both of these guys play most of the games it's like okay they can surprise some people because those are plus players that they got kind of at a discount but they still need cornerback desperately um i liked andrew booth but he's had a a long history yep. of injuries. Uh, they have, you know, the new defensive coordinator, Brian Flores, and you have to keep that in account too, is they need corners. <laughs> they need guys that can cover because he's going to play a lot of man coverage and blitz a lot. And that does, do we see more three safety looks with Bynum, Harrison Smith, who's probably on the outs after this year and Lewis seen their first round pick last year. So I, I, it's a interesting team because it is that competitive rebuild, like you put it. And it's a team that's trying to straddle both at the same time, like bringing and doing the whole Kirk thing again. It's like, they, it's like they want to assess everything else. They might need another receiver. You know, I, I know they like KJ Osborne. I like him as a nice role player, but they might need another guy. I did like the Josh Oliver signing to maybe signal more of a move to 12 personnel with him and Hawkinson. Um, but yeah, just a lot of, still a lot of question marks with this team. Obviously, that's why we're bringing them up on this show. The th- receiver thing is something I also thought about and whether they think they need another one. And even if, you know, they're going to play more 12 personnel or even if they do yeah. like Osborne, like down the road, you know, starting next year, do you feel like, yeah. uh, you know, for the future again, like how much are they looking to right now? How much are they looking to build one, two, three years down the road? And, right. I, and I just don't know the answer to that. The quarterback question will be the biggest yeah. consideration with that and where they ultimately find that guy. Hypothetically, let's say the Vikings really liked Will Levis. Okay. Mm. I don't know if they do, and I would be honestly be surprised if they did. But let's say they do, and he's on the board at ten. Okay, mm-hmm. aren't they the most reasonable team to like make that sort of move up for a quarterback, considering the rest of their roster? Like, if you went through the other options, I think it's them, and mm-hmm. in terms of timeline, probably Tampa would be mm-hmm. the teams where it's like, okay, mm-hmm. if you dropped a quarterback into this making him play for that guy and giving up something to go get him would make the most sense based on what you have on the rest of your roster. Yeah, those two would make a ton of sense. And I know Titans have been linked up to a move up, but I still wouldn't be like, we'll get to that. Yeah, yeah. But for Titans, I'm like, yeah, you guys need about 20 other things before you look at a quarterback in the future. Um, Yeah, that they would, especially at 10, I in in that hypothetical, I would understand that move up. I'd be like, yeah, that's, that's a, interesting plan that kind of resets your obviously you're drafting a quarterback kind of resets a lot your timeline makes so much more sense now more tolerable now you have the rookie quarterback deal that can like really replenish your whole team because now you have you know more resources to to fight with even if you're giving up draft capital that would be interesting though i i if, especially in that scenario if one of these top four guys does fall to that the bears range or anything after that it, it then it becomes super super interesting they don't have a ton of picks they traded their second round pick in the Hawkinson For trade. Hawkinson, right. And then yep. they traded their own fourth round pick last year to go get a Caleb Evans in the fourth oh, round. Right. So they don't have a ton of picks. They have two picks in the top 100, 23 and 87, I believe. So, 
and they have a need at corner. I would say they still have a need at interior defensive line. I know they signed mm-hmm. Dean Lowry in free agency, and Harrison Phillips is still there, but uh, they're, they're both under contract next season, but I think ha- adding another piece there is probably helpful. I mean, they, they're they one of those teams that when you look at the starting 11 on both sides, it's like, okay, like, yeah. uh, like they're, they're a reasonable team. Like They can be a competitive team, yes. but I still think that they're – one, two, three, four moves away from being like a real championship caliber roster. And yeah. how they see that timeline to me is the most interesting question about that. Yeah. Uh, Caleb Evans, that like that name's going to stick out to me because I, I like he started to stand out to me a little bit with his play, you know, middle of the season. I'm like, oh, yeah, I'm going to mention this guy in the podcast. And literally, I think the day I mentioned him or I was about to mention him, he got hurt, went on IR. You know, I, I heat seeking jinx. I uh, don't want me praising you guys like that. I, I've just realized that I, I'm going to refer to these guys and not say anything too glowing because otherwise they get hurt right away. It seems like, but that that's the thing. They have Kirk Cousins still. So this is a weird team. The fact that it's like, no, this is not like a total Baker Mayfield with the Bucks move, you know, but we're going to talk about, but it's like just a team that kind of is trying to straddle both. And it's kind of a choose your adventure. We'll see how the draft shakes out. And I think that's going to dictate a lot too. I wonder what the thought process is with a guy like Hendon Hooker, where it's okay, we can we can get him and drop him in. It's a natural kind of handing off of the baton, right? It makes sense. It's a smooth transition into the rookie quarterback contract phase of our team building plan. Or are you feeling like that's kind of like a consolation prize? You're doing it out of convenience, or you rather go into next year's draft saying we have to go find our guy. I think that question we talked about a little bit on the mailbag where it's like not everyone can just say, well, we'll get our guy next year. Like that's not going to be available for everyone. So do you feel like sense of urgency if he's there and you kind of like him because it's like, all right, we can build around this guy with that contract, being able to give us some more resources to kind of wield on both sides of the ball. Yeah. And the thing uh, hooker, if we did a hooker hypothetical is that, you know, he's come off an ACL and by the time his rookie contract ends, he'll be 30. Yeah. And that, that that's, and again, rookie contract. Yes. And that's, it's valuable to have a guy that could be a tolerable starter, but again, it's a sunk cost if it's not a guy that you can actually work with. So that's another thing. It's like, do we, like you said, is that a consolation prize or a guy that you truly like that you're like, this is our guy. We moved up and we're anointing him right there. Or is it just kind of a, you know, half measure where you're like, Oh yeah, I guess. Yeah, we did have Right. See, see a new timeline. Uh huh. But uh, yeah, that's kind of hard to justify, I think, if it is Hooker, if you're trying to move up for that, as opposed to what I think is a real needle mover potentially next year. I know it's all theory, one hand, two in the bush, but you never know. Well, what when has that worked out? When is a team just kind of picking off a quarterback outside of the top 15 because he was there? When has that ended up working out to the benefit of the team in question? Lamar? Lamar is, they had to trade up for Lamar, yeah. but yes, that's it's sort of an answer. T- Teddy? But that was like that, which is the Vikings as well. But that's, I think Lamar is Lamar, Jalen Hurts, Jalen Hurts. Jalen Hurts is the second, best possible example and how that, that was worked out. Yep, that was the you second know? round. And then I think the other kind of guys that you could throw in that same conversation would be what happened with Andy Dalton and the Bengals, right? Mm-hmm. So they had the top four pick that year. They drafted AJ Green. They waited till the second round to get Andy Dalton. They were able to build a really competitive team around Andy Dalton and what he was capable of on that cheap deal. So we have some examples of it working where it's like, all right, this isn't a needle mover at the position, but because he's functional, we can put so much else around him. Right. And with this team, you have a lot of these contracts that are their quote unquote expensive contracts that are probably going to be coming off the books as early as next year. Okay. Yeah. So they can move on from Zadarius Smith, Dalvin Cook. Yep. 
the Kirk Cousins thing, if they make him a post-June 1st cut, let's say, theoretically, they can save about $18 million, okay? And then Harrison Smith is probably gone after this year. So the Vikings, with those four moves, with those like aging veterans who are moving into a different direction phase of their career, or of their team-building process, they can have $120 million in cap space. Right. And if you drop a rookie quarterback contract into that, that's the sort of flexibility that you're chasing. And you already have your entire starting offensive line in that equation, I believe. You already have Justin Jefferson. Justin Jefferson. And yes. TJ Hawkinson is going to be yes. hitting free agency, so you're going to have to give out some but extensions here. But you'll have the money to but pay you'll have him the money. easily. Yes. So I th- is, is that the argument for, all right, if we think that Hendon Hooker is a workable player, the right. flexibility it's going to give us is worth it, even if we don't think he's a true needle mover at the position. Or right. do you wait and say, are we going to be in a position in 2024 where if we need to go get a guy, we're willing to move heaven and earth with draft capital, move mm-hmm. up and make a play for somebody that we think is that top tier guy at the position. I think those and are the two c- things you have to weigh. And that could be interesting if they, you know, inject some more juice on the defense. They add another corner. You know, they're in a the perfect spot to take one of these corners. And they they add a little more juice on their defense this year. And then next year, that's that it can be easier to make that move because you say, like you said, the offensive line, Jefferson, Hawkinson, that's a fun kind of little group on offense to drop whatever rookie you want to in there. And then if you have enough talent that you maybe hit on the defense, okay, that's a nice path. I'd actually be more, I think that's more tolerable to me, you know, injecting the defense now and then hopefully building for the future or building for the future in the sense that you take that guy in the next year or the year after. There is nothing they have done this off season that is going to preclude them from doing anything next off season, in my nope. opinion, right? Like the Mark Stavenport contract, the tech, all the void years onto it. Byron Murphy has a $10.2 million cap at next year, but there's only f- $5 million in dead money after this season is over. Mm-hmm. So I think they can be competitive right now because of the state of the NFC and because yes. Kirk Cousins is a pretty good quarterback when you look at the state of the NFC and they still yeah. have really good pieces on offense. But again, it's going to give them flexibility into next year. And I think that's exactly what they're after. All right. right. Next one here, a team that I think is in a pretty similar situation in a lot of ways. They played the Vikings in the playoffs last year is the New York Giants. Yeah. So what does the first phase of the we have committed to Daniel Jones version <laughs> of the New York Giants look like? I think that is the big question here heading into the draft. Yeah, I I, I think it is. They have to add another pass catcher. I really do because they're building the whole plane off slot receivers right now. Um, I, uh, I think that they – so Dan Duggan did a mailbag about this. And yeah. he asked – one of the first questions that he addressed in that mailbag was, do they need to draft the pass catcher a wide receiver in the first round? And I think what they have done in free agency and what they have done this offseason is made the answer to that question, no. They have enough guys where they can live this year without like an immediate difference maker at their pass catching spots. It's not going to be a great offense if that's the case, but I think they have enough guys bringing Slayton back, trading for Waller, the dice rolls with Paris Campbell and Sterling Shepard, and having Wandell where it's like, we can roll the ball out, find four dudes, even if we need more juice at these positions. See what we got with Isaiah Hodgins, like yeah, Hodgins too. Yep, yep. 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 And, I can't yeah, believe I Darryl forgot Waller. Isaiah Hodgins as the I love as, as one of they, America's preeminent Isaiah Hodgins lovers. That's what's hilarious. Last year is that now they have all these slot guys because Robinson went down last year. Is they have all these slot guys now? They were having Hodgins work from the slot and like choice routes because it's like we got nobody else. Like we we got dial up plays for this guy. And he did great. Um, but that's that's what that's kind of priority for me right now is giving him one more guy, maybe with some size. And I think day two, and I, I like that 
brought up the point of it doesn't have to be in the first round. Like I've seen, I've seen some guys slaughter their Jordan Addison, Jackson Smith and Jigba. And I'm like, Oh, uh-uh. neither of those guys, not, not with the giants. Get, get them some size, get some, get them some giants. Uh, I mean, that's, <laughs> that's what they have to do. Um, but they also can maybe, yeah, I even read a field day two receiver, another pass rusher, potentially uh, interior offensive lineman, maybe another guy in that kind of range you know, keep, Hey, Hey, let's build up this offense. We invested in Daniel Jones. He worked looked pretty good in those clean pockets last year. So let's keep that going. I really think they're in a spot where you know they can continue to add talent. And I know on defense, though, they need some DBs. They need corners. They need safeties. The Julian Love kind of letting him go. Kind of, I'm still curious about that. That still is like, man, he played well for you guys. Yeah. Like, why were you guys so just letting and it, him go? It's like not that? like the price tag was huge. They, no, they probably could have afforded him if they wanted it. It's it's a yeah. really interesting question. That, especially how versatile he is. Yeah, that one's weird to me. Um, but anyways, and yeah, they need corners. Remember, it's Wink Martindale. So I, I think that's they're in a good spot. Again, any of these teams that are in the middle rounds, there's going to be a couple of them I brought up, Vikings being one, middle of the first round, I should say, with their picks, is they're in a good spot to find a corner right? because that's where a lot of these guys might be going. So that's where I think they might go in the first and then maybe find some pass catchers on day two or offensive linemen on day two. So you mentioned several positions. <laughs> where they, yeah. they need help. And I think that speaks to where this team is. Yep. You know, obviously they made the playoffs last year. They were so much better than we anticipated. But so what does this version of it look like now that they're paying Daniel Jones? Okay. Yep. And th- this year they're in such a strange place just because, again, these kind of last remnants of the Dave Gettleman era. So you're looking at their cap this season. They have $2 million in cap space as it currently stands. Leonard Williams, Dory Jackson, and Daniel Jones are making up $73 million. Okay. Of their of their 2023 cap, which is about a third of the cap, and this is the cheap year for Daniel Jones. Yeah. That's because Leonard Williams is making 32 against the cap, and Adoree Jackson is making 20. 32. So, so they'll have flexibility, and there are other things that they could potentially do. You know, Dexter yep. Lawrence, if they extend him, they can get that number down. Yep. Now that the Jeffrey Simmons domino has fallen, you'd assume the Dexter Lawrence extension will be coming eventually. If they yep. sign Saquon to an extension, they can get that number down. But next year is when they have all the flexibility. Even after giving out extensions to Saquon, Dexter Lawrence, wh- whoever they ended up paying, they're going to have a lot of financial wiggle room next year. I mean, it's like $120 million in cap space. So next year is when they can really kind of realize whatever this is going to look like. But that's what my question is. Positionally, where you're trying to build now, is it cornerback depth? Is it safety depth? Do you add more interior offensive linemen? I think this offseason – even if we have high expectations for them based on what they were last year, I think it's more about making sure the connective tissue of the roster is in the right place before you can make some big splashes next offseason. Yeah, I it'd be like an advice for like a poker player. It's like, don't chase. Yeah. I, I think that'd be that my advice for them, not that they need it, but I'm just saying it's like, don't chase. Just keep at it. Keep doing what you're doing. Remember where you're at a year ago, even if you guys made the playoffs, just keep adding town. I, I think they're in a decent spot to do best player available. And I would understand that, which I think is not a bad place to be. Even like we just talked about the receivers they have in 2024, only two of them are under contract. Like, yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. So it's not, they can easily reconfigure this no matter what they want to do, which I, I, yeah, they're not in a bad spot, but they're not in like a, a great talent spot, but they're not in a bad spot. They can just do a lot and choose the path they want to go down. And yeah, the interior offensive line was another good thing to bring up. Ben Bredesen's yeah. a free agent after this year. Galinsky, I think, has a million and a half in dead money after this season. Yeah. yeah, they could add some bodies and try to figure out the interior with the tackles already being set. You know, safety, they signed Bobby McCain, but, you know, Bobby McCain's been in the league for 
forever at this point. <laughs> yeah. Adoree Jackson's gone after this year. So I just think that, all right, making sure that we're still just building up those areas where you need a ton of pieces, a ton of depth. They've done a lot of work at receiver this year, even if they need to do a little more. These other spots, I think there's still a lot of work to be done. So I'm just curious like what what this yeah. regime looks like in this process because yeah. we've seen them at the top of the draft and we've seen them with all of those picks that they had last year. What does it look like when they have to try to figure out how to exist in the middle class where they are at this point. Yep. Just hey, <laughs> keep keep towing the line. Just just make yourself competent and make yourself refreshing and you can make Daniel Jones feel good about himself. You know what I mean? Like I'm not saying saying that bad way, but just the quarterback can continue to progress because they want him to progress. Obviously, they paid him like he's on the ascension. Uh, uh, he's going upwards. So I think that's what they have to do is just make sure there's no drop off around him so we can continue to get better on offense and really have something there. I think they're doing a fine job. They're already ahead of schedule from last year. I mean, just making the playoffs. So I think that's what it is. And that's why I want to say that line again is don't chase. Just keep keep at it. Keep doing what you're doing. Keep racking up singles and doubles. And I'm curious where they go in the draft. And they, I mean, they've gotten by with bodies at, at yeah. positions. They did last they year. They were, they were so <laughs> hurt at corner last season. Oh my God. I mean, Aaron Robinson's been hurt for a lot of his career, but he only played like two games. You know, they got a ton of snaps from like Cordell Flott and guys yeah. that were rookies. I mean, it, how I'm so curious which guys they think are building blocks and yeah. which guys they think need to be replaced. Because they had so many guys play out of necessity last year. I feel like the directions they go in the draft are going to teach us things about that. That's why the draft is always informative because the picks can't lie. You know, yeah. they, they, the, the picks are very, they're truthful in the decisions that they've made. They can no longer kind of misguide you about what they think about their team. And I think I've always appreciated that. It's funny. It's like you don't do a first round pick to like as a smoke screen. Yeah, 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 yeah. Exactly. <laughs> you know, yeah. Oh yeah, we're taking this guy in the first round as a body. Yeah, you know, just just for you no, know, no, no. That guy is a guy that they're expecting to play early and often. Next one here, the Pittsburgh Steelers. My main question about the Pittsburgh Steelers is, what are the Pittsburgh Steelers? <laughs> what are you? I don't know. I, uh, they are. They are such a confounding team. I just. Always. I think that they. So here's my. My overarching thing about the Steelers, okay? They have 17, 32, 49, and 80. They have 32 as a result of a trade that they made with a professional football franchise in Chicago, Illinois. And they have – so they have four picks in the top 100. They have three picks in the top 50. I think that the biggest needs the Steelers have, and you can correct me if you think I'm wrong, offensive tackle is still a big one. I think they need another tackle. I think corner is a need, Mm -hmm. even after going out and getting Patrick Peterson. And then I think – Interior defensive line depth and edge depth is necessary. And I don't think it's crazy to think about them adding another receiver. This is a team that has lived in 11 personnel. Calvin Mm -hmm. Austin is now the number three receiver on the depth chart. Even they spent something on him. He's a specific kind of player. If they went out and got somebody to play in the slot for them, I think it would align with the skill sets that they already have at that position with Deontay Johnson and George Pickens. Yep. Uh, Yeah. (laughs) They got rid of Chase Claypool. They got the pick, but saying they... That was a guy playing a lot of snaps for them and starting for them and being productive for them. Uh, Calvin Austin couldn't be any more opposite from Chase Claypool. Like they, (laughs) Calvin Austin plays like you hope Chase Claypool would play, but he's like 150 pounds, like 155 pounds. But he, he has, I I hate this line because it's gotten so overdone. He does have that dog in him, but it's like he actually does. And Chase Claypool was a little more finessey. Uh, but these, those needs, that's how I have. I corner with a star. Um, I think so too. Yeah. Okay. But so Patrick Peterson, but they need a guy. (laughs) So let's throw those needs out there. Let's look at the picks that they have. Right. Is it crazy? 
to think, all right, we get a starting left tackle at 17 that can mm-hmm. that can replace Dan Moore. Maybe not immediately, but like we have a left tackle of the future. Where the draft falls and what kind of yeah. guys could be available there, they could find a left They're tackle a at spot. that spot. Okay, yeah. at 32, could they find one of these slot types of receiver that we've talked yes. about? At four, or, and maybe it's corner at 32 and a slot type of receiver at 49. That's I don't think realistic. it's crazy that all of these needs that we just talked about can be filled with the picks that they have in this year's draft. Yes. So you combine that with the pieces that they already have at receiver, you know, a quarterback that played fine as a rookie, mm-hmm. the pieces that they already have on defense, even though I don't know what to make of the Pittsburgh Steelers and like what the plan is and what type of team they're going to be. I think if things fall a certain way, they can actually be like a fairly formidable team this season. I think the ceiling is certainly capped, but I think that they can be really competitive if they add the right pieces in this draft. The always competent Mike Tomlin will make sure. doesn't matter. These guys could be two tiers below like they were last year, and they still have them fight for 500. But that's the thing. They – this roster going through it, I'm like, it's, it's pretty solid. Yes. Uh, you know, that's, that's, and like we, and I'm going to do a study on it. I'm going to, I might do a picket video, by the way. I haven't talked to you about this, but I might do a picket video. Sounds great. Let's do yeah, it. Yeah. Cause I, I want to study, I want to study their offense in the second half of the year and just see what they actually got. Uh, but yeah, th- those, they, the advanced the metrics are very flattering, by the way. Yes. Very. And then, and then defense. I mean, they got freaking Minka Fitzpatrick and TJ Watt. Hopefully, is healthy and Hayward and Highsmith. Like, I don't know. It's this this roster overall. It's like, yeah, they're going to be feisty at the very least. And I, I, what you're saying about where it's slotted, that's what's interesting about this draft class in every position. Is there's such a drop? There's only there's a lower amount of blue chips as like true first round talents in this draft. And again, I've we've brought, talked about this on several shows. That kind of meeting in the middle, I guess, where there's not much tier difference from like picks 12 to like 60, <laughs> like 55. So that's, it doesn't, none of those guys can be a reach. Like, you know what I mean? Like if they went in that pick 32, Anton Harrison from Oklahoma or Dewan Jones from Ohio State. Yeah, that makes total sense where those guys would go. Harrison might go a little earlier, but if they got him a 32, that'd be great. They're in a great spot to find a corner in the first round. Like, or like you said, a flip-flop, there's corners that might be there at 32, yeah, they're in a decent spot to be very, very feisty this year, especially if they nail this draft, even if they get two starters from this draft. Yeah, it's just another quiet offseason. Like the moves that they made in free agency this offseason were Isaac Salamalu, Nate Herbig, Cole Holcomb, and Alandon Roberts. Yeah. But they're I they're like, gonna have they, they they're starters. They they didn't they, spend a lot of money. The they, they, they have bodies it. on the offensive yeah. line and at off ball linebacker. They go get Patrick Peterson. They've added bodies. Yep. And I think when you combine that with the star power that they have, I think that they can be interesting at the very least. A lot of yeah. this hinges on what Kenny Pickett is, right? Yes. And where he can go in year two with, you know, same offensive coordinator. They still have some weapons. Like that's going to be ultimately what dictates how far they can go and what their ceiling is. But I think the floor is very high. And I think that they can get even more interesting if things fall a certain way here over the next month. The- those O-line moves, I liked them because it's the classic line that's like what the Bengals did last year, where it's, you know, it's going from bad to average is not a bad thing. Yeah. Like, you know, yes, it's not like the craziest moves, star, star laden signings, but it's like getting competency there and good, good warm bodies there to play for you. That's not a and bad they have place depth to be. Too. 
Like yep. if one of those guards gets hurt, like I, I don't even are know. We're talking ourselves into the, the, the Steelers are yanked off the no fly list. They are back on the fly I list. Just let's let's I, talk about it. I just don't know what to make of them. <laughs> I, don't I, I, I just, I really struggle to figure out like exactly what they are and what to make of them. But that doesn't mean that I'm down on them or I nope. am, am pessimistic about them. I just find nope. them confounding. That's it. Yeah. Yeah. It's a, it's a, it's a uptick uh, question mark. I am Ron Burgundy. Like that, it's it's a good kind of question mark. Speaking of the teams that I just can't figure out, let's talk about the Washington football team. Okay. Okay. <laughs> Surprisingly, I, I don't even know what the central question about the Washington football team is. Okay. I, I think that there are some similarities with Washington and where Pittsburgh is, but there's no answer to the quarterback question mm-hmm. with Washington. Washington brought in two kind of starting caliber offensive linemen in free agency and Nick Gates and Andrew Wiley. Those are like the two big moves that they made. You piece together their starting line with Gates, Wiley, Leno, Sam Cosme. Chase Rie is going to cost $12 million against the cap this year. He's played 421 snaps over the last two years. Like they have questions along the offensive line, but I think they've added enough bodies to find five. The pass catchers, there are, are, is really no question about that at receiver. You know, they have players at receiver. They have some pieces on defense. So I guess the question is, is Sam Howell and Jacoby Brissett really going to be what the plan is at quarterback this year? I, I guess that's the biggest question I yeah. have about them. Is that wrong? Do you Is there anything no. else that's like more pressing to you? No, my, my question for myself was, is this a surprisingly good roster? Question mark. Uh, the, but I think the, the quarterback, I think that is their answer this year is – Jacoby Brissett and Sam Howell. I really do think that is their answer for this year because I do think the rest of the roster is fairly solid, uh, especially the you know defensive front. They Deron Payne bringing him back on the big deal. You know, it's like it seems like they're no. This is what we're going with, and we're just going to play out the draft for however we want to play out the draft. Obviously, I don't think they need another defensive lineman. They might get a healthy Chase Young this year. Like that's interesting. Um, I actually like the you know the Cody Barton. Linebacker signing, I like him better than a lot of Seahawks fans seems to <laughs> seem to like him. Um, you know, I, maybe they go corner another team that just pull the string. That's the what, I think corner would make corner would potentially make ton sense. of sense. You know, they they uh, have Fuller, they still have St. Juiced, but and they brought yeah. back Danny Johnson like a two or five million dollar deal. I don't know how mm-hmm. much of that was guaranteed, so they did like make a small move there to bring him yeah. back, but it still feels like they could add some bodies at corner. Yeah, but. It's not a bad spot where it's not like, oh, that's a glaring need. Like where I'm like, oh, God, how, uh, they have nobody playing there. You know, like when I look at the Steelers, I'm like, man, really? Patrick Peterson's their answer. It's, you know, they actually have competent guys. I'm pretty high on St. Juice, even if he's up and down. Um, and they, I mean, safety, Derek Forrest, another guy we liked last year. Like they just have a, it's like, man, this roster is not bad. And I like Jacoby Brissett. I, I think he is a fine starter. You know, he's the jockey. That That's what my nickname for him now for at the quarterback position. And you can see what you have in Hal. He's a fifth round pick, you know, so that they are talking it up like he was a first rounder. But I don't know. I think that is their answer because I do think the rest of the roster is decent, even as an outsider. That's how I look at it. So next year, Charles Leno will be 33 years old and he has pretty much no guaranteed money left on his deal after this season. I'm wondering like how realistic it would be to like have them draft an offensive tackle in the first round this year as, I, as a long-term tackle play. As need. Yeah. yeah. So that, yeah. I think that's a question, but I'm tempted just looking at where they sit and what the next year could look like. Mm-hmm. Do they trade down and do they just mm-hmm. try to accumulate a couple picks? Say, all right, we need some depth on, at tackle. We need some depth at corner. We could get another safety somewhere along the way here. Just try to add a couple pieces. Make sure that when we go into next season, 
they're ready to roll. Like their roster top to bottom doesn't have a lot of glaring holes on it, ideally, where it puts you in a position to say, if we want to take the swing on the quarterback next year, we can do that. And then again, you accumulate maybe even more draft capital if you move back out of the first round to put Mm -hmm. yourself in a position to go make that swing next year. Because if it is Sam Howell and Jacoby Brissett, if that is the plan for this season, what does the next 18 months of quarterback play look like for Washington? I I would guess, my assumption is that you would at, get to the end of this season and think, we need to go get a quarterback. And yeah. if it went after the team gets sold, are you more willing to do that? Like, after some of the uncertainty kind of clears up, are they in a position next year where they'd be willing to go make a move like that? Yeah, because there's no Alabama defense alignment for them to draft where they're at right now. Uh, Will Anderson won't, won't fall that far, but... I think that's what they kind of did at that spot. They're like, let's just kick the can next till next year. You know, let's just get through this year, patchwork it together, see if we have anything with Sam Howell. If we're, if the year is not going how we want it to, or he has a fantastic off season. Um, wait, we've talked about many of times. Jacoby Brissett's a great teammate, uh, but also he's a competent starter. So that's what it feels like to me is that they kick the can at that position to next year, and I think they're maybe just going to see what they got this year and see how it goes and ride it out. Uh, you know, this team is so as an organization, of course, with the ownership stuff. That's what's just so hard with them. They just feel like. I could see them doing anything and it makes sense to me, uh, whether they want to buy more time for the future or just kind of do a half push into this season. Uh, it's a very, very curious team. The one position we have not mentioned that I think could be interesting with them in the first round, even if they stay put, would be tight end. Tight end. Right? You drop that in. You know, Logan Thomas, they give him an extension, but I think that he doesn't, after this season, he has $1.8 million of yeah, guarantee that's... left on his deal. They, I mean, he's 33 years old. He's going to yeah. be 33 years old in 2024. God, he's so, 33. Yeah. We're, we're old as shit, man. That made me feel so old. We're old right as there. shit. That was rough. Thank so that that's the other that. one that I would say. And then, <laughs> honestly, the somebody else who is uh, – this is the last year of his deal is Curtis Samuel. Yeah. So Curtis Samuel is okay. not under contract for them next year. So – a really, yeah, now, a really now interesting. You get the tight end. You get the third receiving option with the other two guys. Yeah, yep. no, that's yep. that's not. Yeah, that's. But that's the thing is this team has actually got options, which is so weird. Like maybe a month ago, I wasn't really thinking of Washington kind of sitting in an okay spot. I guess if you just ignore the quarterback position, <laughs> they brought in Cam Dantzler in free agency. That's one other thing to mention at the corner spot. I still think they absolutely could draft another corner. Probably need yeah. to. But yes, all right, agreed. Next team here, the Tennessee Titans. Hmm. <laughs> my question for them, do they chase a quarterback this year, which a lot of people have been saying they might, and there's their quarterbacks been mocked to them for a while here, or do they just embrace the tank? Because of all the teams in the NFL that are potentially going to be bad and need a quarterback, not necessarily this year, but over the next five years, they seem the most likely candidates and the most reasonable candidate to just be bad, yep. take your medicine this year, and hopefully you're drafting in the top five and you can try to go get one of these guys. Is that crazy? No, it's not. I, I think that's that I mean we we did a show a couple months ago on them, kind of like what what's going on with the Titans, and I still stick with that. It's like kind of embrace the competitive tank. You know, Mike Vrabel will hate that word, so repackage it and just say that you're Try and play with one hand tied behind your tied behind your back, Mike. That's what we're doing. We're we're trying to see how good of a coach you are this year. You know, that's challenge them in some way, make them competitive because 
there's teams. There's I know I see them getting mocked. Um, they're getting mocked a receiver at times. They're getting mocked a quarterback and a move up for a quarterback. And both of those decisions to me, I'm like, no, 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 no. Get a line. Get off. It's a line. Rebuild. Find some just any best player that you can because I think dropping a quarterback behind whatever offensive line they have this year is like not conducive to future success. And also, if you have to give up future draft capital to do it, like that just doesn't make sense to me. So I think it is embrace the competitive tank and hopefully you get that top five pick next year. And then we go from there. I think you can make an argument that they have the worst wide receiving core and the worst offensive line in the NFL. Yeah, I'm, I'm trying to rack my brain right now. O-line almost for sure. That that one's so rough, man. It's every time I look at it, I'm like, really? That's what you guys are doing this year? <laughs> so looking at it from left to right, according to the ROAD's depth chart right now, Andre Dillard at left tackle, Daniel Brunskill at left guard, Aaron Brewer at center, Dylan Radins at right guard, and Nicholas petit Ferreira at right tackle. Yeah, Their just... pass catchers are Traylon Burks, Nick westbrook Kina, Kyle Phillips. And that's about it. He's a good returner. <laughs> I think I put in the doghouse last year, too. That's it. Uh, Their defense, I think, has a chance to be yeah. very solid. Yeah. You know, they went out and got Arden Key. They signed Aziz Al-Shair in free agency. Yeah. You know, if they can be healthier in the secondary, they, Sean Murphy Bunting came over, so they have some bodies. You know, Elijah Molden's obviously still there. He was banged up for most of last season. I think they can be a solid to good defense next year. Mm-hmm. But mm-hmm. if they're the eighth best defense in the league and they're the – 32nd offense or 31st ranked offense that could still be a top five pick the problem is the problem is ryan Tannehill too good to allow you to completely bottom out offensively and you're playing in the afc south so you might get some gimmies from the colts and texans even if they're trying to kind of revamp themselves as well and that's the thing. It's like last year, like Roger McCreary, their second round corner. Good player. Like out of nowhere, like this guy. Okay. They got a good starter from the second round at corner position. And that's the thing with their defense is that surprisingly competent defense <laughs> might carry them to some wins when they don't want them. So that's what it is. It's like you have to kind of figure out a way to maneuver that the offense isn't good enough. Hey, let's, let's see how Malik Willis plays this year. And just hopefully <laughs> it's a race of 17 points for every game. They'll, they have $127 million in cap space for next year as it currently yeah. stands. And that's without the Jeffrey Simmons extension. So whatever his cap it's going to yeah. be. Let's, for argument's sake, let's call it $15 million next year. It's pressed down and it'll go up. It still have $110 million yeah. in cap space next year to work with. And if you don't draft a quarterback in this year's draft, you can use the 11th pick on draft Jackson Smith and Jigbo. Whatever yeah. you want to do. Whatever that's a do. piece for your quarterback next year when you draft yeah. him. I think that drafting a quarterback this season, sticking him on the bench behind Ryan Tannehill, wasting one of those cheap years, yeah. and then trotting him out next year when you've had less draft capital to build a guy to build around, when you are you know you're probably going to be picking high. With some of these yeah. other teams, it's like okay, take the shot because you're probably not going to be in this position again. I I just think that it's likely they're going to be back in this position again. It, yeah. Over under, they're picking 11th this year. Over under on where they're going to be picking next year, I'm taking the under. I, yeah. I, I think it's higher than 11. So if that's going to yeah. be the case, and this is another draft, there's going to be a bunch of quarterbacks. I just don't really understand the thought process for reaching for one this year when the rest of your roster isn't in the right place to properly absorb a rookie quarterback and set him up to succeed. Their their Vegas over under right now is seven and a half wins. That's higher so, than I would admit than same, I would have I would, I would put it at six and a half. <laughs> and by the way, 
Mike Vrabel deserves the benefit of the doubt at this point. Yes, he does. This team has done a fantastic job winning all these games, and maybe that's part of the problem is that they're never going to be bad enough to put themselves in this position. But I I think that they've kind of painted themselves into a corner here. They have even less talent than they did a year ago. I know. Oh, my God, right? And, well, you know, having a new GM can maybe help that sell. And just like he can kind of reconfigure and go like, hey, this is how I view it and everything, even though I think Vrabel has a lot of say and what goes on in the day-to-day and the, the roster construction and all that. So it is one of those where I, it would behoove them to be bad, but it's you, it's a sell, which is not like – I know it's NFL. Everyone wants to be competitive, but it would be a sell, I think, to try and go, hey, tone down that defense a little bit. Let's try some of the young guys. But like, you don't sign Jeffrey Simmons to be bad on defense. You don't re-sign him to a big deal to be bad on defense. And that you don't sign Aziz Alshier to be bad on defense. And Arden Key, those guys are like actually competent, good players. So it is kind of a, a roster that on defense is close to competing. And on offense, it's like nuke it. And so I think that's what you have to sell is that if one side of our ball can barely scrape together 21 points, why should we push this year? So let's try and sell on losing games. All right, our next team here, Tampa Bay Buccaneers. My question with them is, what is this year supposed to be? Right? Like, are they, what is the Baker Mayfield led year supposed to be? Is this just a stepping stone to next season? Are you going to try to find a quarterback? How are you going to try to find a quarterback? They got, they brought back Jamel Dean. Like, they still have enough pieces, I think, to be relatively competitive with solid or better quarterback play. Like, are they a team? That potentially, if a quarterback falls, they could trade up and mm-hmm. make a move for somebody because I think they're more realistic than pretty much everybody that's not Minnesota in terms of being a Moving reasonable up. team that could go make a play up the draft to drop a quarterback into their current situation because the timeline makes sense. So yeah. I, they they're just they're one that I just can't really stop thinking about what that's going to look like in terms of their quarterback solution and whether or not this is the year they should try to go find one. Yeah, I, I my initial note is that I think they're going through the season with a brave face and and going like, yeah, this is it. This is what we got. I mean, they brought back Levante David. Yeah, like you, you know, and sign and how they signed the corners, like you know, bringing back Jamel Dean and all that. It's one of those that okay. So what are you? Well, you have Baker there. You lose it, but then you release Donovan Smith, and so now you have a whole lot tackle. And that's the that, problem is they they're not a quarterback away they've had no. to lose too many guys yes, to Shaq be that yes, the offensive exactly. line is like that they they're piece, they have way less depth on defense way yep. fewer pieces on defense they need an edge player too Shaq yes. Barrett's getting older yes like yeah so it's I know that's the thing it's not with Washington it's like okay there's a little bit more especially on offense where it's like okay this makes sense you know again it's that we've talked about they have some so many interesting players and good players that are under contract but it's they're going to be another year older. So it's just a, yeah, they're trying to bridge some few things. And like you said, if the dominoes fall in a certain way, it wouldn't shock me if they did decide if Levis is there at 10 and Levis is there at nine. Like I wouldn't shock me if they made a move because it seems like they're trying to straddle it just in case the draft does unfold that way. Like, I think that's what they feel like they're doing. And then if not, all right, Baker, go run around, <laughs> go, go, go be tough and try and scramble around and make some plays for us, I guess. And I think that's what they're going to go through. It's a four year million. It's a $4 million contract for Baker. Yeah. Like it, there's nothing it's preventing nothing them from going to make to a move if they nope. want to. And so if they can drop a, a, an actual, like highly drafted quarterback into this mm-hmm. equation and kind of say, all right, let's see if we can split the difference. Let's try to thread the needle here with the previous way that we did this. And then the next yep. phase of it, 
I think that would make sense. And their offensive line has way more questions than it used to. Again, the defensive depth isn't where it used to be, but trying to bridge this in the best way possible, I think is going to be the challenge that they face. But even like we, I, I just brought up that there's some questions that O-line losing Donovan Smith, they still have Ryan Jensen and still have Tristan Wirfs. Yeah. It's like, that's not a bad O-line to start with. And if you do drop in a rookie quarterback, having a vet center that handles everything is fantastic. And that can really help bridge whatever new guy they want to drop in there. So it's, it's like one of those words, as I talk this out and look at their roster, it's like, it would make sense if they did make a move, you know, especially with what other options they might have. Because I think they're too competent to fail. Like, as opposed to the Titans, I was like, oh, I could easily see the bottom falling out. The Bucks, I'm like, they just have too many good players that you can see even a 500 season, even if things don't break well, so they can't get that top pick. Their 2024 cap, they have like a decent amount of cap space because they're not paying a quarterback. But Shaq Barrett's making $24 million. Chris Godwin's set to make $27.5 million. Carlton Davis is making twenty million. Vitavea is making twenty-one million. Ryan Jensen is making seventeen million. I mean, they just have so many expensive yeah. pieces. And I think the best way to kind of smoothly transition with that sort of core is onto a rookie quarterback contract. Yeah, because then yeah. you can afford all of these guys. And so again, I just think that that they make so much sense because they have the most incentive to get onto that financial timeline while also having a guy that can make them competitive, right? Like you could pay Baker Mayfield $4 million. Mm -hmm. It it doesn't make you relevant. So trying to find that guy who's cheap, but can also make them relevant. I think they have as much or more motivation to do that than almost any other team in the league right now. Yeah. Cause it's easily that they could talk themselves into going like, man, we, we hit on this guy. Look at the rest of our roster. We're back yes. at it. Yes. We're back at it. Like, especially in this NFC where everybody's revamping. It seems like that I can understand when, if they were in those, in those meetings, they talked themselves into it. Like I, I can see why that would be an argument for somebody. And if they, if this is the hypothetical <laughs> argument that somebody had in their personnel room. All right. Last one. New England Patriots. I didn't have a central question for this one. Where do you want to start the Patriots conversation? Um, I have uh, what linemen are they going to take in the first round? That, that would be my my first question. Um, but really with them, it, it, they feel like they're in a prime spot. Again, this draft, there seems to be a lot more guys that have second round grades on them than f- true first round grades. Feels like a Belichick trade back. <laughs> it feels like you know that that feels prime to do that from the team spots, even if they there are some off, interesting offensive linemen there where they pick in the first round. Um, but really, this team, I really like the defense, and they brought a lot of guys back, so I don't see them needing to add too much juice there. I know corner, maybe a corner with size might be an interesting spot, but it's not like we're Belichick where I'm like, oh yeah, they'll take one in the first round. They'll take one in any round. So I can't just say that that's what they'll prioritize, but it feels to me, it's like they need to add offensive line. And so I've really, that's where they're at. Uh, I want to see, I want to see this offense with Bill O'Brien and Mac Jones, uh, even though there's like all these whispers that they're like trying to trade Mac Jones. So it's, is that real? Or is that just kind of the motivation kind of thing where they're angry at him? It's a lot of questions, a lot of statements, a lot of exclamation points there. <laughs> I, we got an email from a reader before we did the mailbag. And mm-hmm. I think the question, paraphrasing it, was essentially, what do the Patriots need to do to be relevant this season? Right? And uh, relevant is all dependent on how you do it. Yeah. That depends on how you define relevant. But like a team that's competitive, that pushes to make the playoffs. Based on what they've done so far, obviously they go went and got Juju. You know they mm-hmm. signed Mike Kosicki to that that short term deal. They got mm-hmm. a couple pass catchers, but based on the moves that they've made, 
it seems like Bill O'Brien is the biggest free agent that the Patriots signed this offseason. Yeah. Like they are banking on going from one of the worst situations in the league in terms of who was in charge with their offense to competency. To yes. uh, an adult it's, who has done this before. It's the bad to average okay. argument. <laughs> it's just, just for play callers, though. And if we can do that and get a ton more out of our quarterback, yeah. and we've added enough pieces, and we can go get an offensive lineman, which kind of feels like they need to. I mean, right yeah, now, their right tackle options are like Riley Reef and Connor McDermott and, yeah. and Yadni Kajust. Like going to get a, an actual starting right tackle in the first round of the draft, which is never a position you want to be in, no. it feels like that's kind of where they are. If they can yeah. do that, it does feel like, again, the top line of the depth chart is such that this team can be competitive, mm-hmm. but I just don't, I don't see the ceiling. Like, I just don't, I don't know where it's going to be with this group. And I think that's always been our concern with them is based on the way that they're constructed and the lack of like true difference makers they have at some of these really important positions, even if they're competitive and even if they're relevant, I just don't know what the end game is with this team. Yeah. The defense I think is going to be very good, but the offense doesn't scare me whatsoever. Yeah. And I think that's really is. Even if you get an uptick from Tyquan Thornton um, from Baylor, their second round pick last year, because he was, he was banged up. Weird. He's 170 something pounds, built like a twig. Weird that he got hurt. Uh, but he is a talented player. He's tough. He, he can bring a vertical element to that offense. This team, though, even with Mac Jones, and there's always these discussions with Mac Jones in the ceiling, and he was a positive player as a rookie. They really fucked him last year. Yeah. And I felt really like watching him was frustrating for me and what they did to that guy and how much they put on his plate without no help whatsoever. And you can see him trying to make it right a lot of times. So the fact that there's all this narrative, oh, we're down on him. I'm like, really? You're going to throw him under the bus? I, I, of course, I'm not in the rooms. I don't know Mac at all, but just still, it's like, man, you guys, <laughs> you guys didn't do much to help him. So I can't believe you're actually mad at him. So. I think that's what it is, is that even with the offense, even if they get a rookie tackle, anybody that anybody list the names, top five guys, whatever offensive lineman they get, that still doesn't feel like it's like, oh, yeah, this offense is solved. They're still just like, OK, is that your receiving room? I like some of the guys, but, is, you know, where's the where's the needle mover there? Where's your needle moving pass catcher? You have a lot of fine players. You have a, a, a room I love like Juju and Kendrick Bourne. I love all these guys, but. That's not always a good thing. Yeah. <laughs> that, yes. Nate Tice, that Nate Tice likes all your receivers. That's not always a good thing because it's usually some gritty guy. Uh, so I think that's what it is. They just, even if they add a couple guys, it's like, all right, is it going to be enough to make them even a good offense or anything more than average or competent, like you just said? So I, I agree with you in some ways that it's just, it's hard for me to justify where this offense could be, what I know Bill Bryan is, and what, it, what the upside of this offense could be. Let's say they're the 12th best offense in the league, like optimistically. Okay. Yeah, and they're a top three or four defense. There it kind of feels like the best case scenario. Yep. What is that in the AFC? Especially with the Dolphins all in, the Bills still the Bills. That's just their division. The Jets, if they get Rodgers, like that's just their division. Before you even get into the West Side <laughs> or the Bengals or anybody else, the Jaguars, whatever they do, mm-hmm. it's it's tough. You know, a six seed. Maybe you get a yeah, you get a wild card. Yeah, and you win double digit games, and yeah, that kind of seems like that's where they're at. Yeah. And maybe that's enough. Like uh, Belichick's cruising toward that all-time win record. He's in his 70s. Like they're 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 never going to bottom out. They were never going to bottom out and that's just kind of the team that they are. And so that that's what it feels like. And this yeah. draft feels like another entry into that where it's like how can we piece together that version of the roster with a starting tackle here, with maybe yeah. another pass catcher there, all that kind of stuff. But that's kind of where I sit with this team and it's where I've sat with them for a little while now. Yeah. They they're 
they're like in a position to add winning players, but not needle movers. And yeah. I, I know that sounds like I'm talking about both sides of my mouth, but it's like, that's just where they feel like, and just feel like that in general. Um, as much as I like their defense and a lot of the guys on there, it's just, yeah, it's it just like, like you said, the ceiling is, I don't know where the ceiling is. And, but I just know that's not as high as I would like it to be. That is all we got for today. We are going to be back. I am going to be back on Friday with some offensive line content. That nice. is going to be coming your guys' way. In the meantime, we got Prospects to Pros this week. we got another episode of the Football GM with Mike Sando and Randy Mueller coming your way on Thursday. If you have not, please go check out The Beast. Dane Brugler's draft guide is now live on The Athletic. It is a colossal towering achievement that Dane's he puts together right every now. year. He, he is. He's hurting. I think I, I think Dan is not sure feeling is. super great. So please go check that out. If you have not, the only way you can is with a subscription to the athletic, the athletic.com slash football show is where you can get one of those. We are going to keep rolling on with our draft content for the rest of the week. In the meantime, I appreciate you guys listening. We'll talk to you soon. This was the athletic football show.